Let the church say amen. amen. We are marching to Zion. And Lord willing, we're going to be there one day. It's something we all look forward to, right? What a joy, what a blessing, what an honor. And what a kindness from our God. It is good to see you both uh, members and visitors alike, those uh, who are joining us uh, virtually and those who are here present today. We thank you for your attendance. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, thank you for this march. As we are walking, striving to be those who walk according to your will. It is because of your great name and because of your greatness that we hallow you. And Lord God, we pray that you will help us always to sanctify you in our hearts. And bless us, Lord God, to have the everyday motivation to serve you and honor your name. To say no to sin. To strive to be stronger than we have been in the past. We pray, Lord God, for your guidance. For your mercy, your care, and your love. Help us to keep our focus and never to forget Jesus, your great son, in whom you so willingly sent, and he who so willingly died that we might live. We praise you, we love you, and thank you. Please bless our minds this morning to be cleared of worldly thought. We might focus only on you and on your word, the message that you have inspired, revealed to us this day from your holy and divine word. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we pray and thank thee to be thy will. Amen. Revelation chapter 3. We are looking at Sardis this morning. And Sardis has the title, The Dead Church. The city of Sardis at this time was one of the richest and most powerful cities in the world. However, these glory days, by the time the book of Revelation is written, has begun to slowly decline, to slowly fade Away. Yet in spite of this, this city, this, the people, the attitudes, the minds, they decided they would hold on to that, that security of material wealth. And so they held that name, although uh, the name was slowly fading away. It was uh, very wealthy. It was wealthy because it was situated at the junction of many uh, important roads. In fact, many trade routes came through this area. And so Sardis was known as easy money. You go to Sardis and you can have easy Easy money. And they were known for this because they were at the right place, one might say, at the right time. Even we say location, 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 right? And so they had the right location, and so it made the city very, very wealthy. And in Sardis, they they worshipped the uh, mother goddess, Sibeli. And Sibeli, that particular worship, was full of immorality, sexual immorality and impurity. And so Jesus introduces himself and speaks to Sardis in a very different way. One of Revelation chapter 3. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. So Jesus to them opens up as the one over, the ruler of the seven Spirits, the ruler of the seven stars. In chapter 1 and verse 4, John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come 
and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And verse 20 says, As for the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So Jesus, in essence, is saying, I am the possessor, the possessor of infinite and total wisdom. I am God. I am the possessor of all Things. I am the author of this message. God says, I'm speaking to my church. I know your deeds. And the problem is that this congregation's deeds that Jesus speaks of are simply a reputation, not an actuality. Because in reality, they weren't doing much of anything. And we'll continue with this thought as the text goes on. They, they met physically as a body of believers, but they stood for nothing and pretty much fell for everything. In other words, they may have been present physically, but spiritually, they were somewhere else. Their minds were not in, in worship, in the worship service, in the service of God. Their bodies were there, but they weren't there mentally. They were not standing against any false, idolatrous teaching. They stood for nothing. Look at the difference, if you will. Look back at chapter 2. And I want to show you the difference. Where he says, I know your deeds. Okay, to the church of Ephesus, verse 2. I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot endure evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and are not. And you have found them to be false. Verse 3. And... You have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. Verse 6. Yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Smyrna. Smyrna held fast and they were suffering saints, but they stood for the Lord. They stood for something. Pergamum. Verse 13. The Bible says, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you Hold fast my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. Thyatire, verse 19. I know your deeds and your love and faith and service and perseverance and that your deeds of late are greater than at first. Pergamum, chapter 3, verse 1. And to the angel of the church of Sardis write, he who has the seven spirits, of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. See the difference? Right? See the difference? There's a huge difference in this congregation. They were a dead church. In other words, they had kind of given up the battle. Now, obviously, later on we'll find there were some who had not soiled themselves. But for the most part, this congregation, they gave up. In one way or another. The wealth of the city was rendering them a congregation who trusted in themselves instead of trusting in the Lord. The wealth of this city was rendering this congregation to where they were no real threat to Satan. And that's something else, isn't it? And so Satan had no reason to even attack this congregation. They were almost bidding, doing his will. Right? 
And so there's no persecution, there are no, there are no sufferings, there's nothing mentioned in here where Jesus says, you know, I know you're holding on fast, you're trying, you're striving after me, you're doing my, no. Jesus just said, you are relying totally on what you used to do and who you used to be. You're relying totally on your past deeds. So, the language of God is identifying this congregation in a way of the things that they are not doing. It's almost like uh, Amos 6 and verse 1. Um, Woe to those who are taking their ease in Zion. The congregation just kind of sat back and they were coasting. And you know, the only way you can coast is downhill, right? And so they weren't really doing what God wanted them to do. Complacency and procrastination will kill us spiritually dead, right? When we become complacent, and get, I think, uh, brother James has said a few times, I don't want us to get too comfortable. We gotta come back, right? And he's right. Right? Don't become complacent because complacency and procrastination, one might say, well, I'm gonna come back, but I'm not really ready yet. Right? I'm gonna do it tomorrow. I'm gonna do this tomorrow. Procrastination and complacency, those, those are spiritual killers to the soul. So, they like the city glorified. They glorified in their in their past fame. They felt they thought about and, and looked at themselves and said, "We look good on Sunday morning." <laughs> Externally, but they weren't doing what God wanted them to do. We cannot bear the Christian name on one hand. And then be totally destitute of Christian principles on the other, right? That, that's, that's, that's Christian hypocrisy. We don't want to be known as being hypocrites when it comes to serving God. So Jesus says, wake up. Look at verse two. Verse two. Imminent danger is approaching. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. There was a little something left. Just a little something left. Whatever that little something that was left, he says, you need to strengthen that because even that is about to die completely. You are not in any spiritual condition to meet your God. I want you to think about that for a moment. If today were the day that God called us home, are you ill-prepared? Are you ready? Because today very well could be that day. Today very well could be that day. We're worried and concerned about the riots and the pandemic. Well, you may be thinking about what we're supposed to be thinking about. The return of our Lord. Because he may come back today. Are you ready if the Lord comes back today? Sardis was not ready. They were not in any spiritual condition to meet their God. Satan is having his way. I'm going to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Satan is having his way with, with unfortunately, so many, so many Christian lives are hanging on the thread. Because they're just not ready. We haven't done the things that we ought to do. We find ourselves sleeping. In fact, we could actually use that probably in every congregation amongst the Lord's people. And even in denominationalism, you're going to always find, and this is in the physical, you're going to always find folks sleeping. <laughs> but we're not talking about physically sleeping. They were spiritually sleeping. First Thessalonians uh, chapter 
5, verse 5 and verse 6. For you all are sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. You see, always the message of Jesus is stay alert and be prepared for the day of our Lord. Romans, please, chapter 13. To always be alert, to always be on the guard because we are always forever at war with Satan. Do we forget that this is a battle that we are fighting against Satan? We are literally fighting every day for our souls. To stand against immorality and wickedness and evil. Our own weaknesses, our own desires to say no to that which is contrary to the will of God. Are you ready? Are you fighting the good fight of faith. And as we fight the good fight of faith, yes, we become a little weary. But then we rely on the strength of God and He gives us wings like eagles and He gives us the strength to stand fast and to hold fast His faithful word if you are holding fast the message of Jesus. Smyrna had given up. In Romans 13, in verse 11, there the Bible says, and to this And this do, knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. And so how true that is, back to Revelation, please, chapter 3. That salvation, in other words, our deaths, the grave, is nearer to us today than it was yesterday. Brother Jay's mentioned counting down. Yeah, but it's another count that's going on right now. Right? We are closer to heaven as we're marching to Zion. We're closer to the grave today than we were yesterday. Are you ready or are you ill prepared? And what we cannot do is we cannot stand before God and say, but Lord, remember what I used to do because that will not hold water on judgment day. So the church at Sardis, Jesus says something else to them. He says, remember. And this remember is so important. I'm going to show you why in just a, just a moment. But remember, therefore, what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. If, therefore, you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know of what hour I will come. Remember. Remember. See, they want to remember something. They want to remember what they used to do. And Jesus is saying, I, I, I'm going to give you something to remember. Right, twofold. Number one, remember what I've done for you? Remember every day I've, this morning, just a few seconds ago, I just blessed you to breathe again, the breath of life into your lungs. And you enjoyed that, didn't you? Yeah. Remember that. Remember the blessings to stand, the blessing. Remember all your blessings, right? Every second, Every moment of our lives, remember what I'm doing for you. Do you remember that the God who introduced himself, the God of all, has blessed you tremendously? And you are walking away from God to follow Sibeli, to follow wickedness, to follow evil, to be comfortable in your own Zion, if you will? Have you forgotten the greatness, the goodness, the blessings, of the Lord. Remember the word. 
that Jesus spoke. Remember what God asked us to do. Do this in remembrance of me. Have you forgotten? Do you feel so comfortable in your state right now of affairs and your relationship that you have forgotten God and you have really no reason to fear? In other words, there's no reason to repent. There's no desire to repent. Remember. 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 And he says something really interesting along with their history. He says, remember, and I'm going to skip down this a little bit in verse 3. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. If, therefore, you will not wake up, this is important, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come upon you. Now, keep in mind, every time we've read, I'm going to come, in the, in the book of Revelation and throughout the Bible, uh, from Genesis to Revelation, when God says, I'm going to come, there are these judgments in time. So a judgment is time, is not, is not the end all, if you will. It's a specific judgment against maybe an individual or a group of people collectively or maybe even a nation. But God says, I'm going to come and there's this judgment in time. So he says, remember or else I'm going to come. If you don't wake up, I'm going to come at an hour when you don't expect me to. You see, Sardis was, uh, uh, you know, a city that had a, had a great, a magnificent, natural defense. Sardis was a, a city that sat on top of a mountain, the mountain of Hermas, and they and they, they overlooked the valley and um, it was surrounded by deep cliffs. I mean, you, you could not penetrate that place. There was one road to go up. If you wanted to go into Sardis, they would just, as, as a soldier or as an army rather, they would pick you off one by one. So they felt very comfortable because they were protected. And who needs the protection of God when you're already protected? By the natural beauty. But Jesus says, oh wait, um, I know you're holding on to your, uh, what you used to do and what you used to be. But I need you to remember who you used to be and what you used to do. Because if you remember about, I don't know, a few hundred years ago, 549 B.C. When Cyrus, when Cyrus found a soldier and he paid him because they realized there was a trail, a hidden trail, and you could broach the city, but no one knew where the trail was except for certain individuals. And they found one of those soldiers. They offered them money, and the soldier said, you know what? I will show you where that trail is. And so guess what happened? Cyrus, with his army, marched up that trail when everybody was asleep under the cover of darkness. Jesus says, that's how I'm going to come when you least expect me He says, remember. Oh, but in in case your history doesn't go back that far, he says, well, come forward a little bit. About 214 B.C., when Antiochus III or Antiochus the Great, he did the exact same thing. Found that trail and came up. In other words, the city that felt impenetrable was a city that was vulnerable. And that's what Jesus is exposing to this congregation, that you are vulnerable and you don't even... You don't even know it because you've forgotten. Remember, remember, remember. Church, maybe we have to wake up. Maybe when we look deep into our own, our own hearts, maybe we found ourselves sleeping. Right? And so verse 3 again, 
the, the admonition is, wake up. Wake up. Prepare. Prepare to meet your God. Don't you love the ability that our God has to recognize individuals in a congregation? Individuals in our world. Specific people. And he says in verse 4 that you have a few people. you got to love that, right? Striving to be a part of the few, brethren. You have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. God is able to separate us up. See, the choice is yours. The choice is mine. I can walk with God if I choose individually. I can walk with the Lord or I can choose to be like the rest. And be lukewarm in my faith. Please turn to Matthew chapter 7. It's a choice. And I know it's a lot easier. It's always a lot easier to serve God when everyone else is doing it. You kind of just, you know, everyone's marching together. We're going the same direction. But see, God wants us, God's people, to go against that grain. Right? Don't follow the majority. (laughs) Follow the few. Right? Follow the few. In Matthew 7, verse 13, the text says, Enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction and many of those who enter by it for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life and few are those who find it only a few listen god says i need you to think about where you are spiritually individually independently where are you oh what a great question right what a great question and only you can answer that question in god Right? You and God alone. Where are you spiritually? When Jesus says to wake up, are you awake? Or is he talking to you? Is he talking to me individually, independently? Though he may be speaking collectively to the congregation, yet there are members that make up the called out, the ecclesia. Are you individually, independently ready to meet your God? Right? Galatians 2 and verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life which I now live, I live in the Son of God who, who loved me and gave himself, delivered himself, gave himself for me. Do you remember? Remember that cruel, cruel cross? Just, just to imagine that, that he had my name on his heart when he died. And he says, Tony, I'm doing this for you. Tony Cloud. And, and he, had, he had James Harris. And I can go on down. He had your name individually on his heart when he died. And he says, don't fall asleep. Stay awake. Serve me until the end. So back to Revelation. Chapter 3, Sardis had a few. And there's a reward in your service to the Lord. And the reward is beautiful. He says in verse 4, 
But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments. And they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall thus be clothed in white garments. And I will not erase his name from the book of life. And I will confess his name before my father and before the angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What a beautiful thought. Wait. He will not erase our names from the book of life. He's going to confess my name. He's going to confess me and say, Father, this is my child. Let him in. Wow. There's reward in serving our God. And I know that life brings its difficulties. Please, Second Corinthians chapter, chapter 4. Life brings its trials, it brings its, its struggles, it brings its, its, uh, its weaknesses. It challenges us, right? But that's not an excuse to give up, right? I mean, think about it. If it's something you really want, you don't give up, right? I mean, if you really want it. You know, you know, you say, well, I, I have a goal and I'm going to strive to do everything I have to do possible to get or to achieve my goal. You don't give up. Not when it's something you're passionate about. Not when it's something you really want. How many of us really want to go to heaven? In heaven, that, that, that mystical place. No, it's not a mystical place. It is the reality. You see, because we're walking, we're walking either as, if you will, spiritually speaking, we're in heaven right now. Doesn't Ephesians 2 tell us that? Seated. Right now, at the right hand of Christ. While we're alive on this earth, if you're walking with Jesus. But you've got to walk with Jesus. We have to walk with Jesus until the end. You, take, you, you count on your hands how many years you have left, chronologically speaking. It's not a whole lot if you do it by tens. <laughs> and you take the other hand and you start counting eternity, you might as well give up. Which one's more valuable? Which one should I be striving after? The, the few left on this side, you know, whether it be 30 or, or 1 or, or 5 or, or 40 or 50 or eternity, where I can't even use one finger to, to depict eternity. We have to continue in our service and our striving after God all the way until the end. Though there are struggles. Listen, verse 8. The Bible says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body, the dying of Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in your body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So, death works in us, but life in you. But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke, we also believe, therefore also we speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, 
Yet our inner man is being renewed day by day for momentary light afflictions producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What are you focusing on today? The things that you can see or the things that you cannot see? Are you focusing on the material or are you focusing on the spiritual? Brethren, the lesson, the message, the blessing is yours. Do not throw away your eternity. 1 Corinthians, please, chapter chapter 15, and we'll begin to uh, wrap this, uh, this lesson up. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day when we get to go home to be with God. Oh, what a terrible, terrible day for those who have not surrendered their lives to Jesus. And this is your chance today. Every day that God has granted to us, this is your opportunity to repent If you're a member of the body of Christ, to repent and turn your life around. Repent, repent. The preacher sure says repent a lot. Well, no, the Bible says repent a lot. (laughs) Repent, repent, repent. Confess our sins and walk with Jesus. Or if you have not surrendered to to Christ, you've heard his word and you believed it, and you have this godly sorrow in your heart, and you have repentance in your heart, and you're ready to confess his name. Be baptized, immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. This do. Today is the day of salvation. And as we're marching to Zion, listen to what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 57. There the Bible says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil, your labor, is not in vain in the Lord. In other words, what you are doing today, there's a, there's a blessing and there's a reward in it. You're not doing it for naught. It's not something that you're doing that God does not recognize. It's something that you're doing that God does recognize. And God says, thank you. And for this, I will give you a blessing. Oh, God is so wonderful. God is so good. The lesson is yours. God bless each and every one of you. Thank you.